Well, hey there, guys. Greetings and the most heartfelt of salutations. Welcome back to the channel for this installment of Open Mic, the show where the mic is open. The floor is yours. What are the topics that you guys want to discuss and talk about? That's what I'm here to do today, guys. And there's two different ways that you can send in a question or topic for us to discuss. Uh, the first way is if you're watching this video any of the other 23 hours of the day that we're not streaming live, go ahead and use our tip link that's at streamelements.com slash johncampia slash tip. Go there anytime, 24 hours a day, fire in your question. We'll get around to it on the next open mic that we get to. Or if you are one of the people that is watching live, and hello to everybody who's watching live. Uh, let's see, Robert. Robert, Kellerin, uh, Renea, Freddie, Calvin, on and on. Good to have you guys here. And you guys can use the Super Chat feature, send on in a question, and we'll get around to that as well. I'm, of course, John Campion, in case I didn't mention that. Good to have you guys here. It's nice having you around today on this Monday. I hope you all had a great weekend. I know I did. Mm. Now, as I like to do on open mic, I like to get things kind of kicked off uh, with a topic that is sitting around out there that I'd, I'd like to address a little bit. We were actually going to talk about on the John Campion show earlier today, but uh, if you guys watched the John Campion show podcast earlier today, you know, it was actually a pretty full show. It was a pretty full show. So we didn't have time. Um, so Willow I want to talk about Willow for a second. So Willow, of course, was a show that it su surprised a lot of people when Disney announced that they were doing a Willow revival series on Disney Plus, right? Of course, everybody loves the classic movie. I love the classic movie. You love the classic movie. Come on, it's Willow. And everybody loves Warwick Davis. I love Warwick Davis. You love Warwick Davis. If you don't love Warwick Davis, there's go to a doctor. There's something medically wrong with you. So uh, the show came out and... It wasn't very good. It just wasn't very good. Now, it's all subjective. Art is subjective. Maybe you watched it and maybe you enjoyed it. And if so, that's great. I'm not trying to yuck on your yum. I'm just saying for myself and I think for a lot of other people, the show wasn't very good. Well, recently, Disney not only canceled the series, but they also were pulling it off of Disney Plus. So it's not even on Disney Plus anymore. Now, there's a big headline today in Deadline that uh, reads like the following. This is Warwick Davis, who I adore. I make no mistake, regardless of anything I'm about to say, make no mistake, I absolutely adore Warwick Davis. I think he's awesome. I remember being at Star Wars Celebration and watching him moderate discussions. He's a great moderator. He's got a wicked sense of humor. He's great. Warwick Davis said this about, and this is in an article on Deadline, about Willow being pulled off of Disney Plus, said this. I meet lovely people on a daily basis who are fans of Willow, who are the reason the Disney Plus series was made, Davis wrote on Twitter. Please tell me, Disney, what do I say to these subscribers when they ask why they can't watch the series anymore? Hashtag embarrassing. Please tell me what I should say to these subscribers when they ask why they can't watch the series anymore. Hashtag embarrassing. Okay, well, I mean, there's a lot to unpack there, but the word embarrassing and the Willow show do go hand in hand. It was an embarrassing show. It was a show that had potential. It was a show that had promise, but they right from episode one, they just didn't really do anything with the story. They didn't flesh out their characters. They didn't make any of their characters particularly likable. 
Um, other than Willow himself, <laughs> I mean, because it's Warwick Davis, they didn't make any of the characters particularly likable. They didn't really steep the lore. They didn't get me interested in anything that was going on. And a lot of the dialogue was very flimsy and not very good. And it's hard when you have a flimsy premise with what felt like a pretty convoluted narrative with characters that ultimately weren't all that likable or got you on board with them. It's, it's really difficult. Mm. Now, as Warwick pointed out, and as I pointed out myself a little bit earlier, there are fans of the show. There are people who watch it and liked it, and, and that's wonderful. But there are two problems. Problem number one, there simply wasn't enough of them. I mean, if, if these lovely people come up to you, Warwick, and say, why can't I watch this on Disney Plus? It says, well, because you didn't get, either you didn't watch it enough or you didn't get your friends to watch it because not enough people watched it. And the people who did watch it on a large level didn't like it. And if it's not bringing in new subscribers, here's the thing. It was so bad that Disney actually felt that keeping Willow on Disney Plus was hurting Disney Plus. I know that sounds harsh to say. I know it does. But, but you know, the, the movie business is, as Rob often points out, is a business. And Willow was just so bad that by keeping it on Disney Plus, you were lowering the overall quality of Disney Plus. And then, of course, there's the financial reality, which is if you even if you have a crappy show that nobody's watching that's still sitting on your service, you are still, if you're the company, you are still paying for that movie because every month that it's on there, you're paying out licensing fees and you're paying out royalties and you're paying out residuals and you're paying out all this stuff for a show that isn't very good is lowering the quality of your service and is only costing you money without making you money. So what I would say to Warwick Davis, and the, the quality of the show is not his fault. He's the actor, right? He gets, he gets hired to come in and play the role. And he did, and he did great. But what I would say to Warwick, who I adore deeply and who's awesome, is that what do you say to the subscribers? Say, there weren't enough of you. And more importantly, there weren't enough of you who actually like the show. And we live in a streaming reality where now if there's a show on streaming and it doesn't do well and nobody watches it, it actually is better for the streaming company to just remove it so they don't have to pay out money. Now, listen, if all the actors and all the writers and all the directors all said, yeah, yeah, you don't have to pay us any licensing fees and you don't have to pay us any residuals, I'm sure they would keep it on the streaming service. But this is their job and their livelihood. So, of course, they're not going to say that. So, I mean, that's that's just the reality. It's just the reality. Juan in the live chat is saying, bring back VHS. God bless you, Juan. I still remember VHS. I don't know if my mom and dad know this, but... I watched my first porno was a VHS that I found the old fashioned way that kids my age at the time were all first introduced to porn by finding a stash of it in the woods. I mean, that's the stereotype. There was a stash as a garbage bag stash of some dirty magazine and a couple of VHS tapes. And of course, in the tradition of young men, my age at that time, I would, I took those VHS tapes 
watch them when mom and dad weren't home. And then like a good responsible citizen, I brought the VHS tapes back and put them back there for the next yucky, lucky young man to find them. There we go. God bless the era of VHS. Horrible quality, but you never forget. Um, yeah, it just sucks. And you know, it's funny because Chris and I, me and Chris Carr had a discussion the other day about, you know, the fact that physical media is disappearing. Best Buy, you know, news just came out. The Best Buy is not going to sell physical media anymore. All this kind of crappy stuff. And Chris and I both kind of lamented that, you know, the unfortunate, one of the big unfortunate things is that in the modern era of streaming, that a, a show or a movie can just disappear and it's not there anymore. It's gone. Like Willow. Now, Chris brought up a really good point. She just give it to the public libraries. But the problem is the public libraries can't afford it, right? Because actors and writers and directors are going to want their residuals and royalties and producers are going to want their licensing fees and blah, blah, blah. It's like, it, it's the, the way the model is set up is that if something exists online that nobody watches, in theory, it shouldn't cost the studio anything to still be there. But in reality, it does still cost money. And uh, that's why it goes. And listen, I'll say this. Willow was a terrible show. I thought Willow was a terrible show. But I wish it was still there and available. So if there are people that never got a chance to check it out and want to watch it, that I, I wish it was there for them to be able to do that. And the reality, it's just not. And I just don't know how that's ever going to get rectified. I don't know how that's ever going to get fixed. Unless like at maybe the, in three years when the actors contracts and the writers contracts are all up again, maybe they need to talk about and have a dialogue about, okay, guys, what do we do with movies and TV shows that we don't want to have on our services anymore? Would you writers and directors and actors, would you be willing for us to put those things on another service that like we as studios charge a minimal fee to because, you know, you they still got to pay for bandwidth and administration and all this kind of stuff. Would you as writers and directors and actors be okay if we all took, if all the studios took the shows and the movies that they don't want anymore on their main streaming services and we created like a stockpile somewhere, another service, say the forgotten, call the service forgotten. That's the name of the service where all those movies and TV shows that none of the streamers want anymore. They can go live on the forgotten charge users like two 99 a month, you know, $2 and 99 cents a month, something like that, just to cover administrative, you know, internet fees, you know, bandwidth, all that kind of nonsense and say to the actors, directors, and writers, would you guys be cool if we created such a service and you guys get no money from that? And, and we'll charge users the absolute bare minimum amount just to cover our expenses for operating it. But would you as actors and writers and directors be good with that? I don't know that they would be. I, I don't know that actors, writers and directors would be. And, and I don't know that I would blame them, to be honest with you. I don't know that I'd blame them. But yeah, it's just something. But, but, but a solution, somebody's got to find a solution to this because this will become a problem. Now, listen, I'm not talking about the movies you purchase online. I have been purchasing digital versions of movies online for over a decade. And everybody always talks about this. Oh, but they could pull them right away. Guys, I've got hundreds of them. Not one has ever gone missing. Not a single one has ever gone. Not one. And I don't expect they ever will. 
But out of the hundreds and hundreds of DVDs that I had collected before I switched over to digital, I'd say at least 15%, at least 15% of the hundreds and hundreds of DVDs I did have were either lost, misplaced, damaged, or borrowed and never gotten again, or got misplaced when I was doing one of my moves. Like when I was moving from one city to another, it's like, I don't know where that one went. At least 15% of my discs have gone missing. I talked to Robert Meyer Burnett about it. I said, honestly, 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 with all the thousands and thousands of pieces of physical media that you have, really percentage-wise, how many have you just gone missing? Whether you lent it to somebody and forgot about it, the, the discs got damaged, they got put in the wrong place, like whatever. How many? And he said, more than I'd like to admit. I mean, but that happens. 10 years of me doing digital only, never lost one. I can open up my phone right now and access all the hundreds of movies that I've purchased digitally. And they're all right there. All right there. But for something like streaming services, where you're not buying the product and you're just subscribing to the service that can move shows in and out at any time and shows like the Jeff Goldblum show, shows like Willow can just disappear, be pulled off because it's not financially viable for the streamers anymore. They've got to come up with a solution how stuff like that can still be somehow accessible to people who really want to get it. You know? <laughs> that, that's some nostalgia there. Uh, Dukesta in the live chat saying, I miss waiting 15 minutes to wait for a VHS tape to rewind. I remember those days. It's like you're, you want, you're all jonesing to watch a movie that you got and you pop it in and you realize, oh, I didn't rewind it last time. And you got to spend five minutes, hit rewind as it goes, voo, 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 and you're waiting there for like five, six, seven, eight minutes, go to the bathroom, whatever, it's still going. Ah, uh, yeah, those are the days, my friends. Those were the days. Um, all right. Guys, with that down, let's now jump over and start taking questions that you guys have been sending in. We're going to start off with the people who've been sending uh, stuff into the tip link over the last uh, we over the weekend. So let's get things started with that, shall we? And we're going to start off here with Michael Jones, who writes. By the way, Michael Jones like tipped in like a twenty dollar tip. Thank you so much, Michael, for supporting us on that level, man. I appreciate that. Michael writes, "Have you been noticing the?" tracking for Five Nights at Freddy's. Yeah, we talked about this the other day. Uh, the tracking opened two weeks ago to 24 to 32 million. Today, it's up to 42 to 60 million. And several prognosticators are still saying that's still low, might get to 80 million. I have a very, very hard time believing that you're going to see Five Nights at Freddy's open to $80 million. It, it remembers opening on Peacock on the same day. So a lot of people are just going to sit at home and watch it. So uh, yeah, listen, I, I am one of, I don't, I'm not surprised that there are people excited about Five Nights at Freddy's because I myself was very, very, very excited about Five Nights at Freddy's until I found out that it was going to go day and day to Peacock and all the times that Peacock has done that, the movies have been total shit. So that really, you know, that uh, took a lot of my enthusiasm away, but I'm still going to see it. I'm still going to go see it. I don't see it making 80 million. It still wows me that even if it did make 80 million, that's not as much as the Taylor Swift concert movie made on its opening weekend, which is just crazy, but we'll see how it goes. All right, Michael, again, thank you so much, man, for supporting us on that level and sending in such a generous tip. We appreciate that, man. All right, next up, Ancient Hist writes, I thought some of the actresses you mentioned for Wonder Woman were good. If Gunn decided on a dark-skinned lady for the part, any idiot moans should know that... Uh, 
Herodotus, uh, who wrote about the ancient Amazons, indicated they lived in Libya, Africa. That is really interesting. Again, for me, for me, unless, and this gets people really upset when I say this, and you can tell how much I care that it upsets them. Unless the skin color of the character is of vital importance to the core of who the character is, I don't give a flying fuck what color you make a character. Like there are some where the color of their skin does speak to the very core nature of who the character is. Like Bruce Wayne, for example. Bruce Wayne, I think the whole core, essentially, one of the keys to understanding Bruce Wayne is this kid and later angry vigilante grew up in a world of white privilege. And I think that's important. That's an important part of who and what Batman is. T'Challa of Wakanda, king of the African nation. That's very core to who and what T'Challa the Black Panther is. The skin colors. So there are examples. There are a hundred percent. There are examples of where the skin color is of vital importance to even basically understanding who the character is. But the vast, vast, vast majority of the time, it's completely irrelevant. It's completely irrelevant. Like, I remember when the whole discussion about The Little Mermaid happened. It's like, The Little Mermaid's not black. Really, I would say. Pray tell. Pull up a stool and enlighten us all. What do mythological fish creatures, like, if I were to go to the ocean right now and dive down to the underwater kingdoms and behold, a fish girl, what would that, what's color would that fish girl skin? Oh, that's right. They don't exist. It's made up. It's a fairy tale. So do pray tell for anybody who would complain. Now, listen, listen, listen. I'm a traditionalist. I'm a traditionalist. If, if I was personally making a Wonder Woman movie, I'd probably be a traditionalist and go with a white actress. That's probably what I would do. That's the way I would personally envision it. But would it make the movie any better or any worse if they went with a black actress or a, 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 like a, Tibet, a Tibetan actress? Would it make any difference? And if anybody were to waste a fuss, I would say, you know, so I read somebody say, you know, the Greeks, the Greeks are mostly white. To which I would say, you do know that Wonder Woman is not Greek. Oh, the pantheonic gods may have been worshipped by the Greeks. But they were gods. They weren't Greeks. So pray tell. What color skin do the Greek gods and their demigods and half gods? What, what color skin are, are the demi in real life? Like if I were to go over there and I were to climb Mount Olympus today, uh, what, what color skin will I behold? Oh, that's right. There is no kingdom at the top of Mount Olympus. There are like, it's not important. It's irrelevant. And of course, like you're bringing up when the Little Mermaid stuff was going on, there were a lot of mermaid. There was a lot of mermaid lore where mermaids had darker skin. And I love this little thing you brought up too about uh, this. That's kind of interesting. Again, I would be more traditional myself. Personally, I would, but it doesn't matter. The color of the skin is completely irrelevant. Anyway, like just let me play this one last time. If you casted a black actress to play Wonder Woman and she says a line that's really dumb, guess what? 
if it was a white actress saying the same line, it would still be dumb. So it, yeah, it is what it is. I don't really care. All right. Next up, Rob writes, Hey, Chris, of course, Chris does not do open mics. Uh, I thought about pursuing a career in voice acting, but I know I need a tune-up and some basic skills to get started. Best cheesy information voice. If only there was a class I could take. Love your show, guys. And of course, for those of you who do not know, our very own Chris Carr also has a business. Uh, she teaches voice acting, and she's a great teacher. It's called Speak Friend. If, if you want to look, just Google voice acting Speak Friend. She's an incredible instructor to have. Go check her out if you're at all interested in voice performing and voice acting. Even if you don't want to do it for a job, you're just really interested in it, go look up Chris Carr and take her classes. I think you'll really enjoy it. All right, next up, we've got Duck who writes, Buenas tardes, episode four, A New Hope, is pretty is a pretty good space journey. It's definitely an old movie, but honestly, it just adds to the charm of it all. This is wildly different from the previous movies in every way, but I'm rocking with it. Of course, now, when Duck says the previous movies, Duck has begun their journey of watching Star Wars films for the first time. And unfortunately, they started with the prequels. They're doing a chronological order watch, which is unfortunate. Yes, you are about to watch... The three greatest movies of all time in A New Hope, Empire, and Return of the Jedi. I personally think The Return of the Jedi is the crowning jewel of all of Star Wars, but that's just me. And I'm glad you're enjoying the new one, man. All right. And you're right. You Listen, Star Wars is over, what, what is it, 40, 45 years old now? Something like that. It's, it's starting to show its age. I mean, 100% it is. But imagine being in movie theaters 45 years ago. And seeing that on screen compared to what was out there, like it's, it's so, it was so ahead of its time. It's so revolutionized the entire movie industry. It's crazy. All right. Uh, Edwin writes, Hey guys, on the show, Ray mentioned the new PS5 slim. So Sony is still selling one with a disc drive, um, and a digital one. Uh, but you're right. The disc tray is detachable. And if you have the digital, you can buy the disc drive for 80 bucks. I'll still buy the discovers. I don't know what the discovers are, but um, yeah, this went along with the discussion we were having the other day about physical media and how it is disappearing. It's, it, it's going away. That isn't a matter for debate. That's not a matter of opinion. That's fact. It, it is disappearing and it is going away. That, you know, Samsung stopped making Blu-ray players. Netflix stopped delivering DVDs. Best Buy is getting out of the DVD business and physical media business and all that kind of stuff. And, then, and in that discussion, Ray pointed out that even the game consoles are transitioning away from physical discs. It's a slower transition, but transitioning nonetheless. And you're right, PS5, they offered like two versions. You get one with the optical drive, one without. Now they're putting out a newer version that just simply doesn't have one. You can buy one as an extra attachment if you want. But I got a feeling when we get to Xbox Triple X, whatever they're going to call the next Xbox, and PlayStation 6, I think we're just going to see them stock out of the box without physical drives. Like without disk drives, optical drives, I should say. Um, that's that's probably what's coming, I'm guessing. We're, and then probably for one more generation, they'll allow you to buy an attachment. But then after that, I, I bet you they're going to be, they're just going to disappear. I, I, and I'm not saying it's a good thing. I'm just saying that looks what's happening. All right, next one. Bone sauce, ready. Ah, oh, macho man. Uh, the diamond cutter requires DDP to simply step forward, whereas the RKO requires Randy to leap into the air for a mac for maximum impact. Huge difference. <laughs> yeah, big difference. LOL. Now that I have your attention, John, did I just see you on Kitchen Nightmares in a pizza shop? Yes. Um, Ann and I 
uh, were on an episode of Kitchen Nightmares with Gordon Ramsay. We were actually invited. Uh, we knew somebody who worked with Gordon and when they were doing an episode in Glendale, California, that's right in the Los Angeles area, they invited us to come down and be a part of the kitchen reopening of the restaurant reopening. And, uh, what, I don't know what triggers that. What's with the, did me making the thing with my fingers, is that what triggered that? Is that a new OBS thing that I need to turn off? Let me try it again. I'm going to do air quotes. Da, 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 da. Does that trigger confetti falling? No, I don't know what triggered it. Anyway, um, I got to figure out why that's happening sometimes. So, uh, yeah, we were on it and it, the, the restaurant was fabulous. It was wonderful. I don't know if it still exists today, but I do know that that was, uh, some damn good eating that night. That was some damn good eating. All right. Next up, uh, we've got an anonymous viewer who writes, um, Hey John, I'm back. I wanted to say, I completely agree with you when you say that the Marvels is being held back by the fact that two of the characters are from Disney plus shows. General audience don't want to do homework just to see a movie. Well, I think it's more than just that. Like, I, I believe that is one of the problems, right? So for those of you guys who missed it, we did a story the other day talking about the fact that the Marvels right now is projected to have one of, uh, certainly one of the lowest box office openings in recent years. Like I think Eternals had like a $71 million opening. They're saying uh, Marvel's is, they're pro long range projections right now. And these projections could change, but right now long range projection says the Marvel's is going to open up anywhere between 65 and $75 million. Now, for most movies, that's not bad, right? A $75 million opening, um, that's not bad. That'll put it in the top 10 biggest openings of the year for sure. But by Marvel standards, it's not great. I mean, if it comes into like 70, that means Eternals had a bigger opening weekend. It, it So, I mean, it's going to probably be bigger than Eternals. It'll probably have closer to the 75 million opening, but still, when you looked at Guardians of the Galaxy, um, even Ant-Man and the Wasp Quantumania, like these movies all had over $100 million opening weekends. So it'll be done. Now, one of the factors is absolutely two of the three main characters are characters that maybe a lot of people have never seen. Not everybody watches Disney Plus. Majority of people don't. So they have no idea who Ms. Marvel is or who Photon is, or they've never seen him before. But there's a couple of other problems too. The problem of the fact that the DC, the DCU, the MCU is at its lowest point right now. I, I think it's fair. I think that's fair to say. I'm not saying it's in a terrible place, but it's in the lowest point it's been at in the last decade. You know, coming off shows like She-Hulk and the extremely underwhelming Secret Invasion and, and Guardians of the Galaxy was there. Yep, Guardians of the Galaxy was great. But uh, the MCU right now is kind of struggling. And you, you just factor in a bunch of others. So there's a bunch of factors. It's not just the one thing, but certainly the, uh, the two characters that nobody knows is a little bit of a hindrance. How big of a hindrance? Well, we'll have to wait and see. All right, guys, listen, we've got a lot more questions to get to, but before we do, we're going to take a quick second and thank a couple of sponsors of our channel here today, our friends at Fume and Rocket Money.
we want to take a second to thank a sponsor of this video, Fume. Quitting cold turkey is great in theory, but you and I both know it's way more difficult than that. And that's why there's a better way to break your bad habits. We're not talking about some fake online promises. We're talking about our sponsor, Fume. And they look at the problem in a different way. Instead of a drastic, uncomfortable change, why not just remove the bad from your habit? Fume is an innovative, award-winning flavor air device that does just that. See, instead of vapor, Fume uses flavored air. Instead of electronics, Fume is completely natural. And instead of harmful chemicals, Fume uses delicious flavors. You get it. Instead of bad, Fume is good. It's a habit you're free to enjoy and makes replacing your bad habit easy. I personally didn't know what to expect when I first got my Fume. I mean, I've never liked vapes, but my goodness, the taste. The first time I tried it, I was completely sold on it. It was incredible. Stopping is something we all put off because it's hard, but switching to Fume is easy, enjoyable, and even fun. Fume has served over 150,000 customers and has thousands of success stories, and there's no reason that can't be you. Join Fume in accelerating humanity's breakup from destructive habits by picking up the journey pack today. Head to tryfume.com and use the code CAMPIA to save 10% off when you get the journey pack today. That's tryfume.com and use the code CAMPIA to save an additional 10% off your order today. Guys, we want to take a second to thank a sponsor of today's video, Rocket Money. Did you know that the average person has around 12 paid subscriptions and they might not even remember to subscribing to half of those? If you have no idea just how much you're spending each month, you need Rocket Money. It's this great app that tracks all of your expenses so you know exactly where your money is going. I recently just found out that over 80% of people have subscriptions that they've completely forgotten about. Seriously, think about how many free trials you subscribe to that you just probably never canceled. And that's why I'm such a big fan of Rocket Money, because I was one of those people. When I signed up to Rocket Money, I was stunned to find out that a gym I had belonged to in another city I lived in, I had still been paying my dues to for over two years. Also, that music subscription service I use, yeah, I forgot I was subscribed to two other ones. That's where Rocket Money comes in because Rocket Money is a personal finance app that finds and cancels your unwanted subscriptions, monitors your spending, and helps you lower your bills all in one place. With over 3 million users and counting, Rocket Money customers have saved on average of $720 a year. So stop wasting money on things you don't use. Cancel your unwanted subscriptions and manage your money the easy way by going to rocketmoney.com slash campia. That's rocketmoney.com slash campia. Rocketmoney.com slash campia. And thank you to our friends at Fume and Rocket Money for sponsoring this episode. All right, guys, with that all down, let's get back to your questions here, shall we? We're going to continue on things now with that was an us. Now we go to Boyd who writes, Hey there, John. I'm the head manager of a car wash, and I'm sick of my shoes always being soaked when I get home from work. So today I made the plunge and bought a pair of Vessies. They're one of the sponsors of our show. Uh, of course, I use the code Campia. We'll come back with a review next week. Bring on the filthy. You would almost think that Boyd is a plant. Boyd is not a plant. Um, listen, I, I'm I'm not I'm not joking here. They they're not a, a sponsor of today's show, but I now have two pairs of Vessies, and they are the most comfortable shoes I've ever worn. And the fact that they're completely waterproof is just a big added bonus uh, to me. I, I love them. So thank you for giving me an excuse there, boy, to talk about one of our sponsors for a second. All right. Next. And do let me know how they work out for you. All right. Beeper Yell writes, so I have 3,423 DVDs and Blu-rays. I'm in the process of watching 107 different TV shows, watching a movie every night, working my way through Stephen King novels and complete Shakespeare. My question is, do you ever suffer from media burnout or movie fatigue? I used to. Um, I, I used to. A long time ago, right, like, right in the beginning days of when I was doing AMC, I... 
Oh, first of all, back when I was doing the movie blog for sure, but in the beginning days of me doing AMC, I was watching everything, right? And then I realized if I keep going like this, watching media is going to stop being fun for me. And I mean, anything you love, if you do it too much, it's going to stop being fun. I, I would suggest probably even sex. Um, I, I've heard I've, I've heard some stories, but uh, the thing is, I number one, I realized I was going to get burned out and I was going to start looking at watching media as a chore and it would stop being fun for me. So it was around the AMC days and, and then it, it just started in the AMC days. And then as I got into my collider days where I started giving myself permission, you know what? If I'm not interested in something, I don't have to watch it. I don't have to watch it. It started with me going to every press junket and going to every premiere and covering every red carpet. And then I, I started realizing I don't have to do that. I, I don't have to. I can skip press junkets. I can skip red carpets. I can skip premieres. And then I started extending that to like movies and shows. It's like, you know what? I have to give myself permission that I don't have to watch everything. And, you know, some people will say to me, John, like you're, you're a moving TV guy. How can you not watch everything? Because I don't have to. Uh, you, you know, I, I still have to remain a fan. And if I kept up the pace that I was doing stuff before, I would lose my love for it and it would become a job. And uh, yeah, so I, I did, I was getting to a point a number of years ago where I was suffering from media burnout, but I, that's when I started to give myself permission that I don't have to watch everything. And I give myself, so I got every, every month, it's like, this is out. And I mentioned, I haven't seen it yet. And like every month, there's at least one thing. It's like, how could you have not seen that yet? John, you have to watch that. Why are you watching that? Because I give myself permission to not watch everything. I watched most everything but not everything. And it's important that it was important for my own sanity. I think that I gave myself permission to do that, but Hey, listen, if you get the greatest joy out of watching everything, then by all means, keep watching everything. But for me, it was starting to become a little bit of a burnout thing. So I made a change. All right. Thanks for that. Writing that in beeper. Uh, next up, we got uh, duck duck who writes Brennan Tardes. I love animated movies, but find the lack of real negative emotion in some to hurt the movies. The fear of the wolf and puss in boots to bing bong hiccup and toothless, uh, a final goodbye post tragic history. All these have more impact, uh, on the overall film, uh, at the end, this doesn't have to be the case all the time, but I think some movies could benefit from not being afraid to show kids real emotion. As much as I liked Elemental, I think Wade surviving hurt the movie just a tiny bit. I disagree. I don't think Wade survived. Whether Wade died or lived is kind of irrelevant, right? Um, whether he died or lived isn't the point. The point was him willing to sacrifice himself was the whole point of the scene was not about him living or dying. It was about him showing that he was willing, he loved her enough that he was willing to sacrifice himself for that. And that in and of itself was an emotional thing. It's movies and storytelling cannot be results-based. They're journey-based, right? They're not result-based. They're, they're journey-based. For an example, for an example, let me know what you guys think about this in the live chat. One of the greatest moments, I think, in animated film history, Toy Story 3, when all the toys are thrown into the incinerator 
and they're trying desperately to get out. And at some point, they just accept their fate. And they all hold hands as they move closer and closer to the fires. And they're just happy that facing the end, they could be together. I, I'm getting goosebumps thinking about it. Look at the hair, on, the hair on my arms is standing up. I'm getting goosebumps thinking about that scene. All right, I'm getting goosebumps about that scene. Let me ask you this question. Did the fact that they didn't actually go into the fires and perish take away from the scene? The very fact that still I'm just thinking about the scene gives me goosebumps. Clearly not. The emotional impact wasn't end result. It was journey based, right? It was the fact that they found themselves in the situation. They faced the ultimate fear and then they found comfort in just facing the end of their journey and finding happiness in that they got to face it together. And the end result didn't matter. I mean, if they had then gone into the fiery furnace and that and the credits rolled and that was the end of the Toy Story, wow, that would have been something. But they got out. And I think them getting out didn't take away from the emotional impact that the scene had. In the same way, I think in Elemental, and this is just my own personal way of looking at it. I think the same way, the fact that he didn't actually die, that's a... That's a detail. That's a, that's a factoid, whether he lived or died. The fact, the process of the journey narratively was about that he was at the point that he was willing to die for her. And that to me is what made the emotional impact. And still it had, as you would call it, like negative emotion there. Like he was having to sacrifice his life to save her. And, and I think that was the negative emotion as opposed to the result space. But again, I, that's just the way I see it, Duck. I mean, I'm, I'm, I respect the way you saw it, but for me, it was, it was a little bit different. Thanks for sharing your thoughts on it, man. I appreciate it. That was really actually good, good, profound question. I like that. All right. Next up, an anonymous viewer writes, fun trivia. Alexandra Daddario said she did True Detective because she had trouble getting auditions at the time and specifically cited that Wonder Woman pilot uh, as the final straw. She probably thought it seemed good for her on paper, though. LOL. I mean, if you're talking about the one, um, who was the actress again? Adrian Padalecki? Yeah, I, I, I like Adrian Padalecki. Don't get me wrong. I, I just that, yeah, she wasn't a good Wonder Woman. Um, I had no idea that Alexandra Daddario had auditioned for Wonder Woman before. I really didn't. I'd never heard that story before. That is good to know. I think she'd be a great Wonder Woman. I think she would be a wonderful Wonder Woman. I guess, depending on what the script was, like if they wanted a different type of Wonder Woman, maybe it wouldn't fit Alexandra Daddario's perfectly. But I mean, the Wonder Woman in my head canon, I think she would be great for it. All right. Uh, next up, Anonymous Your Rights. Uh, I was surprised to see you do an X actor for X role topic unprompted by a Mint Mobile question. And not only that, include Alexander Daddario as a choice. Uh, she's been fan cast to death in the internet, not just as Wonder Woman, but also as, uh, but as Zatanna also. Well, see, here's the thing. X actor for X role stuff. It's like lists, right? When people write in and say, John, what's your top five this? I say, I don't do top five questions. John, what's your top 10 this? I don't do top 10 questions. Part of the reason, actually the main thrust of the reason is I, 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 I need time to actually sit down, think about it, plot out something or other, you know, all that kind of stuff. So I will do videos about my top five favorite this or my top 10 favorite that because I actually have time, you know, off camera, not live 
to, to work it out, think about it, move a list around, all that kind of stuff. But I, I don't generally do top five questions when people just hit me with it. John, what's your top five this? I can't possibly tell you. Uh, I mean that. X actor and X role is similar to that is that people say, John, who's, who should be playing this? And like, I don't know. It's an X actor and X role thing. However, periodically, like with the Superman cast, like we know a casting is coming, right? We know a casting is coming. And if I have time that I can then sit back, go through a bunch of names, go through some lists, think about what I would put here and there. Now, always with the preface though, that these fan castings aren't taking into account that, that we haven't read the script. We don't know, like I can say Alexander Daddario as Wonder Woman, but the reality is if I read the script, which I have not, and I, I don't think a Wonder Woman script exists yet, but if a Wonder Woman script gets written and I read it, I may read it and go, oh, well, the way you've written Wonder Woman here, Alexander probably isn't the right choice for it. So I'm saying Alexander Daddario is my top choice, but that's in, you know, a, a void that's in a void where we don't have it. And I'm just kind of matching her up with the Wonder Woman I have in my head. But it's the same reason why nobody would have picked Heath Ledger to play the Joker. Nobody would have picked Heath Ledger to play the Joker. But maybe some of us would have if we had read the script. Maybe some people would have picked Heath Ledger to play the Joker if they had read Christopher and Jonathan Nolan's script for the Batman and David Goyer's script for Batman or uh, for uh Batman the Dark Knight. Maybe we would have. So it's all in a void. So yes, that's why I don't do X actor in X role questions when people just fire in random questions, but periodically like top five or top 10 lists, when I have time to sit down and, and process through stuff, I'll make a video now and again. You guys know it's very rare. I maybe have done three casting videos in the past seven months or something like that. So it's rare, but I will do it from time to time, but not in a live question. You know what I'm saying? So there's that. Anyway, fair question to ask, Anonymous. All right, next up. Uh, we've got a Dustin G who writes, happy 100th anniversary to the Walt Disney Company. I'm a 90s kid, so I love The Lion King, The Rocket. By the way, The Lion King is my all-time favorite animated movie, still is to this day, probably always will be. Uh, the Rocketeer, The Mighty Ducks, a goofy movie, and a little Judd Apatow masterpiece called The Heavyweights. What are some of your favorite Disney films? Uh, again, I can't put it into a list. So, so in no particular order, just randomly firing them off. I mean, listen, that era of Disney animated, there was a, there was a run there of Disney animated films. That's the era of Lion King, the era of um, Beauty and the Beast, the era of Aladdin. You know, that, that, there was a whole streak there of animated. That was a golden, golden, golden time. Uh, for Disney animation. And, you know, Disney is like any other studio. They'll, they'll put out some big stinkers, but I mean, man, they put out a lot of really, really good stuff as well that, that I quite enjoy and that I like a lot. But yeah, The Lion King to this day is my all-time number one favorite animated movie. Uh, Aladdin wouldn't be too far behind as well, by the way. But I think... Uh, yeah, as they remind me, Little Mermaid was also in that kind of streak as well. The Little Mermaid was in that streak as well. Uh, then you got some more modern stuff. Somebody just mentioned Moana. Fanjecture mentioned Moana. I love Moana. I mean, Beauty and the Beast was the first animated film in history to be nominated for Best Picture at the Academy Awards. A lot, a lot of great stuff, man. A lot of really good stuff. All right. 
with that down, let's jump over to the super chats that you guys have been sending in, shall we? And we're going to start off here with Monkey Pants, who writes, Hey, John, knowing you're such a big hockey fan, what are your thoughts on Connor Bedard? Uh, 40 points seems possible. Well, look, first of all, one of the most highly... Um, touted prospects in ages, good Canadian kid, by the way, playing, he got drafted by the Chicago Blackhawks. Um, look, some rookies are different, right? Some rookies, it'll, it takes them a couple of years to really get their legs in the professional league. And then they really blossom. Some blossom right away. 40 is ambitious for a rookie, but 40 is possible. 40 is possible. But if he ends up getting like 30 or or whatever, don't let that sour you on the kid. Because again, first year, new league, playing with grown ass men. It might take a year or two to get there, but he's going to be good. He's going to be really good. All right, next up. Uh, Nexus Fuel writes, Hey John, Matthew Vaughn said at New York City Comic Con that Kingsman 3 and his kick-ass reboot are going to, into production next year. Makes me wonder which he will prioritize. Which would you like to see first? First of all, I have zero interest in the Kingsman anymore. Uh, I think I think Kingsman is a dead franchise. The first one is awesome. The second one sucked massive ass. And then the third one, The King's Man, uh, that he did with one of the world's great actors, Rafe Fiennes, uh, was also not very good. But man, that Kingsman 2 was was just terrible. That was a terrible, terrible movie. He should completely move on from Kingsman. Um, and I have a hard time believing that that kick-ass thing is actually going to happen. You know, somebody brought that up a little bit earlier today. Um, on the John Campbell Show podcast. And I, I don't care what he says. I have a hard time believing it's actually going to happen. I would really much rather see him move on to other stuff, but who knows, man? We'll, we'll see what happens. We'll see. All right. Next up, Raymond Verrata writes, while Michael Caine is retiring from acting, yep, one actor who is still afraid of retiring is Sam Neill, uh, who's battling a rare form of blood cancer, says THR. Yeah, I, but I... I that's not new. Like, I think we knew he was battling health issues for, for a while. Um, Sam Neill, I, I just, I mean, I love Sam Neill. I don't know anybody that doesn't like Sam Neill. And, you know, going back to the Michael Caine thing, we, we talked about Michael Caine recover, uh, retiring a couple of, uh, couple of weeks ago, I think, when he said, look, I'm bloody 90 and I have a hard time walking now. Recently, in a new interview, Michael Caine said, of course I'm retiring. There's no leading roles for 90-year-old actors. It's like Michael Caine is retiring the way he did his career on his own bloody terms. And I love it. And, you know, if it is, if that is it for Michael Caine, I mean, what more could he have done? In, in sports analogy, he's won five MVPs and, and th seven championships. I mean, what's left for them? What's left for Michael Caine to do? He's won Academy Awards. He's been in some of the biggest movies of all time. He's one of the most memorable faces in Hollywood. Good on him, man. Retire. Take it easy, dude. Relax. Enjoy the, the rest of your life, my friend. All right. Um, Calvin Servo Pano writes, Hey, John. I watched the David Tennant panel at New York City Comic Con. At the beginning, the host said he would not be able to talk about Doctor Who. I know he's SAG, but it's a British actor, British show, and British guild slash contracts. Why is SAG messing with it? I think it's more of a solidarity thing. My, my guess, I haven't spoken to David Tennant, obviously. My guess would probably be it's more of a uh, solidarity thing because David Tennant, as he, you know, David did in Ahsoka and whatever, he works with North American actors and in North American productions all the time. 
And maybe he would have felt that being in New York City at the New York City Comic-Con, when none of the other actors who might be there, or none of his fellow actors there are able to get out and promote the projects that they've got coming out, maybe he felt like it would be inappropriate under those circumstances for him to do that as well. I, again, I don't know all the ins and out details of it, Calvin, but I'm not surprised because it's probably more of a solidarity thing than anything else. It would be my guess. All right, next up. Monkey Pants writes, how do you feel about the original Spider-Man trilogy? Uh, I, I mean, overall, I love it. Uh, number three wasn't great. Number one was wonderful. Number two is still to this day, one of the greatest comic book movies ever made. So uh, yeah, the third one is weak, but overall the trilogy is still good as a whole. All right. Haas TV writes, I had tears in my eyes watching Once Upon a Studio. I have not watched it. Like I, I got the notifications from Disney about it. I got links to watch it. I, I haven't watched it yet. I don't know if I'm all that interested in it, but you saying that makes me a little bit interested. Maybe we should check it out. Thanks for the update on that, Haas. All right. Next up, Optimus Prime Rib, one of the best usernames. Uh, if the SAG strike does extend considerably, is it in the studio's best interest to keep delaying big films like Dune 2 or keep current release dates? It depends on the movie, right? So, for example, you've got Aquaman 2 coming out. you got a, a, one or two big names there. Jason Momoa is a big name. you got a couple of other big names, decent names in it. But that's different from, say, Dune 2, which is loaded with A-list superstar talent. So the amount of benefit that a movie like Dune 2 that is just packed with big household name talent, the benefit you get of all those actors being able to go out and promote the film and talk on the talk show circuits and promote it, for a movie like Dune 2, you delay. For a movie like... Aquaman 2, you can keep it where it is. Because yeah, is there benefit from Jason Momoa going out promoting it? Sure. But not as much benefit as the huge cast in Dune doing that. Or like the new Color Purple coming out. I'm very excited about that movie, but it's not exactly loaded with A-list household name talent. So you can get away with still putting that out on its release date. But movies like Dune 2 and, and others that may come along like it, they they may delay it even more. I mean, it, it all depends on how long this actor strike goes, and it, it looks like it's going to go for a while, unfortunately. All right, next up, Marcus writes, <clears throat> Hey, John, following footsteps of DC's Creature Commandos, should Marvel make Echo and She-Hulk a canon animated show? I don't know why. I, I, look, I'm not, I'm not pro-animated show ever. Don't get me wrong. Like, um, obviously, th there are exceptions to that, but... DC and Marvel, I have never thought overall make strong animated stuff. There, there's a couple of exceptions. There, there are a few other things before you go, but John, what about Mask of the Phantasm or, or whatever, right? There are a few exceptions. In general, whatever. I don't, I, I, listen, I love James Gunn. I don't think they should be making Creature Commandos as an animated film. And Echo shouldn't be made at all, let alone turning it into an animated film. I mean, that there, what's the benefit? What's the benefit of making that animated? I, I don't really see any benefit to it, but that's just me. Now, if DC and Marvel put out stuff that I, that was the quality of Arcane, well, then maybe that would be different. 
but all of Marvel and DC's animated stuff is pure smelly shit compared to Arcane. So I don't know why they bother doing animated stuff at all, but that's just my opinion. This is just, just my opinion. And again, like I said, there are exceptions. There are a couple of good things that I, that I enjoy out of them. All right. Uh, let's see here. John Redcorn writes, uh, regarding the Marvel's, uh, of 50 to $75 million opening ain't enough when your film costs almost 220 million. That's not true. Anyway, um, first open to 153 interest in Marvel is declining fast. Yeah. Interest in Marvel. I would, you know, I don't know that I would phrase it as interest in Marvel, but right now Marvel's reputation is not as good as it was three or four years ago. Marvel putting out a new thing was always an event. An event. Game day! It was always an event. Now it's, oh, Loki comes out tonight? Cool. Oh, there's, oh, oh, that's coming out? Oh, okay. Used to be an event. Part of the problem, not the major problem, but part of the problem is that like Bob Iger said, there's just too much of it now. There's simply too much Marvel coming out all the time. It's diluted the product and it's taken away the event nature of, of a new Marvel property coming out. I think at max, movies, TV shows, max, four things a year should come out. Total, maximum. Ideally three, but maximum four. So like every three months, a movie comes out or a new TV series comes out. And, and again, I would really lean more towards three, four max. So they got to get back to it being an event. Now, by the way, um, a $75 million opening would actually still be kind of huge because let me just check this for a second. Uh, another Disney film, Elemental, right? Elemental uh, opened up with $29 million, $29 million. That was the opening weekend of Elemental. But guess what? Because it was good and it had legs, it went on to come just shy of $500 million at the box office, okay? $29 million opening went on to make almost $500 million, nearly the half billion dollar mark. So, if Marvel's opens to say 75 million, well, that's two and a half times more than what Elemental opened with. So it conceivably could get to a billion, 1.1, 900 million. Now, look, I, I think I think the Marvel's is going to come in at some, I've said this before, and I reserve the right to change my mind later, but for now... I still think the Marvels is going to end up settling somewhere around the $600 million mark worldwide, something like that. It'll break even. It'll even be a tiny bit profitable. But it all depends on, is the movie good? Does it get good word of mouth? All that kind of stuff. If it's terrible, then it's going to be a bad result. If it's really good, you could get something like an Elemental here, where, again, Elemental made almost half a billion dollars and only had a $29 million opening. So if the Marvels can open to double or near triple that, then, then it could still be just fine. As a matter of fact, let me just pull up this little, uh, this little ditty for you, shall, shall I? Uh, Avatar. 
the number one all-time, number one grossing movie of all time made almost $3 billion at the box office, $2.923 billion. Let me just check you guys in the live chat. Without checking online, how, how big of an opening weekend did Avatar have? Remember, made $2.9 billion at the box office, the number one box office film of all time. Anybody got a guess? Every, you're all cheating right now. I can tell. You're all cheating and looking it up online. Uh, Michael Gonzalez saying 60. Uh, Renea saying 70. The actual number, uh, Green Bean got the closest. Well, Thomas J got the right and the exact right number. It's $77 million. So that's roughly what the Marvels is projected to make at, at the top end of its projection, 75. So, I mean, so there's Avatar made 77, went on to make 2.3 billion or 2.9 billion. That is not standard. That is not normal. That is abnormal. That is an exception. But yeah, listen, if, if it all comes down to how good is the movie or how bad is it, it's it's going to all come down to that. If it's a really great movie, a $75 million opening will be just fine. If it's not a really great movie, a $75 million opening could be trouble. So yeah, we'll see how that all goes. All right, guys, listen, before we finish off with the remaining questions, we're going to take another moment here and thank a couple of more sponsors of today's episode of the John Campia Show, my mobile service provider, and they should be yours, Mint Mobile and I've never enjoyed taking care of my teeth as much as I have since our new sponsor, Quip. Guys, we want to take a second to thank a sponsor of today's video, Mint Mobile. Signing your life away to a big wireless provider is kind of like being trapped on a roller coaster from hell. Sure, it looks like fun at first. They probably even threw in a free phone, but now you can't get off. Month after month of insane bills and unexpected thrills, like overages and surprise fees. If that sounds like your current big wireless plan, it's time to get off the ride with Mint Mobile. For a limited time, wireless plans from Mint Mobile are just $15 a month. That's unlimited talk, text, and data for just 15 bucks a month. You guys know before I came to Mint Mobile, I was paying triple what I am paying now on the standard big wireless plan, and I will never go back. All plans come with unlimited talk, text, and high-speed data delivered on the nation's largest 5G network. Use your own phone with any Mint Mobile plan and bring your phone number along with all your existing contacts. To get your new unlimited wireless plan for just 15 bucks a month and get the plan shipped right to your door for free, go to mintmobile.com campia. That's mintmobile.com dot com slash campia cut your wireless bill to just 15 bucks a month at mintmobile.com slash campia guys we want to take a second to thank a sponsor of today's video quip guys good health starts with good habits and quip makes taking care of your oral health easy by delivering all the oral care essentials that you need to care for your mouth they've got an incredible electric toothbrush with time sonic vibrations with 30 second pulses to guide a dentist recommended two minute clean guys it's my favorite toothbrush i've ever owned and who likes flossing i don't but this water flosser hits all the right spots with gentle or deep cleaning pressure at the touch of a button but guys then there was an additional surprise Quip also supplies mints and gums that are fantastic. Every time you pop one of their new mints, you'll be caring for your mouth inside and out. Bold mint flavor keeps your breath confidently fresh and you'll get a boost of vitamin D. And their gum prevents cavities and freshens breath when chewed for like 20 minutes after eating. It's sugar-free, is tooth-friendly, and has zero calories. So guys, if you go to getquip.com campia right now, you'll get 20% off any electric toothbrush 
toothbrush, mint and gum dispenser, and water flosser. That's your 20% off any electric toothbrush, mint and gum dispenser, water floss at getquip.com slash campia. Spelled G-E-T-Q-U-I-P dot com slash campia. Quip, the good habits company. And thank you to our friends at Quip and Mint Mobile for sponsoring today's episode. All right, guys, with that all down, let's get through and finish off the questions you guys have sent in, shall we? We're going to pick it up here with uh, Ezekiel, who just sends in a super chat to be supportive. Thank you, Ezekiel. Appreciate that, man, very much. Uh, next up, we got Fanjecture, longtime viewer here, who writes in, as a kid, we had two external high-speed VHS rewind machines. I remember those. Uh, we rented movies all the time. We took our blockbustering very seriously. Yeah, I remember. Now, I never had one myself. I, like, as you know, I was a little kid. My family never had one. By the time I, you know, moved out, VHS was no longer a thing. But I remember the first time I went to a friend's house and I saw that they had a dedicated rewind machine. It's like, oh, that's hardcore. That's hardcore. <laughs> like, so like, a movie would be done instead of sitting there for 10 minutes waiting for it to rewind, but he would take out the tape, just pop it into the rewind machine and pop in the next movie. And we were watching the next movie on VHS glory, just like that. Yeah. Fan I remember that. <laughs> and again, at the time I thought that was really hardcore. All right. Next up, King Daddy Goat writes, live action Gargoyle series coming to Disney+. Plus. Yeah, I saw that uh, on my news feed just before we started Open Mic today. So clearly that's going to be one of the topics that we discuss on the show tomorrow. So make sure, I know Chris is going to be very, very happy about that. I, it's something that's been brought up a lot for many years. So we'll get to covering that tomorrow. All right. Next up, Jesse Roy writes, I was shocked about Eris Tour box office, but shocked in which way? Like shocked that it made nearly $100 million and became the biggest concert film tour of all time in just one weekend, or that it didn't do better, right? Because it made a crazy amount of money, but not as much as some projections had. And again, we went over that in the John Campus show a little bit earlier today. All right, Toshi Victor writes, John, have you given your predictions for UFC 294? Ah, let me bring up the full card here. Um, by the way, I, I got Alexander the Great. If his first match, if their first match lasted two more minutes, um, it, it, he would have won if it lasted two more minutes. He, he had clearly gained the upper hand. He was starting to beat the hell out of him. So Islam versus Alexander Volkov. I got Alexander the Great. I think Alexander's gonna, gonna take it. I think Islam is amazing, but... I think Alexander Volkanovsky, now that Habib Nurmagomedov is retired, Alexander Volkanovsky is the number one pound for pound fighter in the world, I believe. So, yeah, uh, I got uh, Chimeyev beating uh, Usman. You could see in Usman's last fight, he's just not the same guy anymore. Uh, I've got Johnny Walker winning in a surprise. Um, and it's really a shame, though, that the Charles Oliveira fight got canceled. That would have been a really nice rematch as well. That would have been a good one. So, but yeah, I got Alexander. Um, I love both of these fighters, but I think Alexander Volkanovsky takes that fight. All right, next up, uh, we've got uh, AJ Stanton, 1991 writes, 
Uh, if gaming is going away from physical discs, do you see Wi-Fi being more widely available? Uh, living out in the sticks, I don't have that option. I mean, it's not about Wi-Fi. Like Wi-Fi is something you set up in your house. The question is, do you have higher speed internet being made available to where you live? And living out in the sticks, that can be problematic. But even then today, there are a lot more options for people. Like my, the Campier Ranch is kind of out in the middle of the sticks, right? And for a long time, it was a struggle. Like the my family's internet for a long time was like a 56K modem. And then we had this satellite internet, but it was real slow. In recent years though, we've gotten a lot more options. Even if like they don't run high-speed cable internet out there, there are a lot more options. Um, what's the name of Elon Musk's, uh, satellite, his new satellite, um, internet thing. If any of you guys in the live chat, remember the name, um, star something, uh, Starlink. Thank you. Michael Gonzalez and Alex Willis and John AM Starlink. Starlink is actually, I mean, if you have the expensive level, it's actually quite good. I've seen a lot of reviews for it. It's actually quite good, quite reliable, but also now like, even though the Campia ranch is like out in the middle of nowhere. We still got really good cell reception, right? So today you can get like T-Mobile or Verizon home 5G internet. And as long as cell phone coverage is out there, you can get pretty good, pretty fast, certainly workable internet for gaming and stuff like that. So there are a lot more options today than there used to be before. All right, uh, next up, we got Shamrock Vibes who writes, uh, poster is correct. Medusa lived in Morocco, uh, Greek and its people, sorry, Greek and its people culture was all over the Mediterranean, Turkey, Africa, Malta, Spain, and beyond. Cornish, tin found in Crete, Olympic art show African people in the games. Yeah, I look, when it comes down to it though, there's there's two things. The people who objected, it comes down to one of two things. One is just blatant obvious racism. They just don't want black people in things. They don't want anything but straight white people in things. Sorry, but that's true. There's a lot of people who are just like that. However, there's also a lot of people who are just more hardcore traditional, right? People who would have no problem going to and loving Black Panther Wakanda forever, but they just traditionally, it's always been that way, so let's just keep it that way. I don't agree with that way of thinking, but it's also a harmless way of thinking. Like, I get it. I, I get that. So for a lot of people, like, it's it's not about, for them, for some people, it's not about Wonder Woman needs to be white just because things should only be white. No, for a lot of people, it's just Wonder Woman needs to be white because that's the way she's always been portrayed. And I'm like, just because something's always been done way, done one way doesn't mean that's the way it always has to be, but I get that. And and for some people, it's just more tradition. It's just more stuff like that. And I totally get that. That's part of the game. But thank you for pointing that out, Shamak. I appreciate that, man. All right. Next up, uh, Matthew Brown writes, Hey, John, love the show. Thank you so much. Uh, have you heard the Ghost Rider rumors with Ryan Gosling? Yeah, I don't believe them. Uh, in the role by Kevin Feige. I'm hoping it's true, and I'm hoping uh, it's the Danny Ketch version, Bring on the Filthy. Yeah, I don't believe it. I'm, I'm not saying I have any information that I know it's not true. I'm not saying that. I'm just saying I don't actually believe that that's going to happen. And, and not to mention, trying to do Ghost Rider right 
while not letting him be rated R, because Kevin Feige said that nothing is going to be rated R in the MCU except Deadpool. Deadpool's the only exception he said they're going to make. I don't know if a lot of people um, should should keep their hopes up. I, I just don't think it's going to happen. By the way, I do want to address a couple things in the live chat here. Uh, Reese Lindsay said, if it ain't broke, here's the problem with the philosophy of if it ain't broke, don't fix it, then you never get anything new. Then you always just get the same thing. The whole idea, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. Guess what? The greatest television show of all time, in my opinion, is Ronald Moore's Battlestar Galactica. They changed some things, right? Starbuck was no longer a dude. They made Starbuck a girl. And guess what? She ended up being one of the greatest characters on television history. If it ain't broke, don't fix it is great for a car. It's not a great philosophy for art. We scream and yell as fans that we want new ground broken. We want to try different things. Artists should be given the freedom to experiment, to tinker, to change things around a little bit, to see what comes out. That's And art should be messy sometimes. I don't believe the philosophy of if it ain't broke, don't fix it applies to art. It's, it's, a, it's a philosophy I myself would probably employ sometimes because like I said, I'm a bit of a traditionalist. But... But yeah, anyway, now then there's this one really ignorant thing in the live chat uh, that I, I see all the time uh, from Uni Shinya writes, so a white person should be Black Panther? We've been very, very clear whenever we've talked about this, if you bother to listen, that there are some examples of where the color of somebody's skin is actually of core importance to who and what the character is. Bruce Wayne, T'Challa, Black Panther. Bruce Wayne being white is very important to the core understanding of who and what makes up Bruce Wayne who he is. Growing up in white rich privilege is a key important component to who and what Bruce Wayne is. T'Challa being the king of an African nation and everything that is about his character and his outlook and philosophy on life is a core essential to his ethnicity. Very, very, very few characters, very few characters in fiction have their skin color or ethnicity as actually a core, vital narrative importance to who and what the character does. It's very rare. But there are some, like T'Challa, like Bruce Wayne, and, and, and some, some select others. There are. But for the most, pay, uh, for the most part, though, it, it really doesn't matter. It really just doesn't matter. Um, okay, next up, we go to... Oh, yeah, that was the Ghost Rider one. Now we go to Disgraceful Entertainment. I've done a number of high-profile R-rated films through the years. However, uh, most of them didn't just carry the Disney banner on their front. And, again... We're not talking about Disney. Kevin Feige didn't say Disney will never make an R-rated film. He said Marvel will not do R-rated films, except for, except for Deadpool. He said that's the one exception they're going to make. All right. Chris James writes, uh, hi, a new book just came out about the MCU, The Reign of Marvel. Yeah, we talked about it a little bit on the show today. Uh, is this your, on your radar, something you might read, bring on the filthy? Well, it's funny you mentioned that because I actually... I had not heard of the book until, and this is a true story. I had not heard of the book until the other day when I got contacted asking if I want to interview the two authors of the book. 
Um, and that was the first time the book came up on my radar. So uh, I'm probably not going to do an interview because you know me, I mostly, I usually don't do interviews. But um, but I thought that was kind of interesting. So I have added that to my um, Kindle Q and I'm probably going to get it post haste because it sounds like there's a lot of really, really good stuff in there that I want to check out. All right. Next up, uh, Shamrock Vibes, right? Uh, I like Disney's Hunchback of Notre Dame. Me too. Surprisingly dark film for a Disney animated film. Hunchback is a surprise. Burn! It's a surprisingly dark film. Uh, Isaac Cushman writes, have you ever asked Scott Atkins about playing um, sewn mouth, uh, sewed mouth Deadpool? Think he'll be brought back in three. I'll be honest with you. I didn't even know that was Scott in there. I didn't know Scott did that. I really didn't. Um, yeah. So no, I never asked Scott about that because I didn't even I didn't even realize that was Scott in there. The next time I will talk to him, I will bring that up, and uh, I'll see maybe if he'll be in Deadpool three. I wouldn't doubt. I mean, Ryan likes to work with people that he's worked with before, so it wouldn't shock me to find out. I mean, and listen. And Scott, the, the one thing that hurts Scott a little bit is that he's already been in the MCU as another character in Doctor Strange. Uh, but maybe if he played a character with some makeup, they can get around that. Uh, that would be interesting. All right, but I'll, I'll bring it up with Scott the next time I talk to him. All right, next up, we've got a $50 super chat. And this is our last one of the day, guys. A $50 super chat from Disgraceful Entertainment. Dude, thank you so much for supporting us on that level, man. Uh, and what is your question? Well, Someone had mentioned that Blue Beetle was bad, and I respectfully disagree. When the dad dies, it brought a tear to my eye, and the person who played the dad played the drug lord, El Beni, in my second all-time favorite film, El Inferno, Hell, uh, El Inferno, Hell in English. Listen, I, Blue Beetle was a good movie. I didn't think it was great. I, I think it had a number of issues. But what did it do? You know, we were talking about Willow a little bit earlier. And the fact that Willow, it just had characters you didn't care about with narrative threads that weren't interesting and seemed kind of preposterous and all that kind of stuff. Blue Beetle instantly gave me a, like five characters I really liked, even if there were bad guys. But they instantly gave me five characters I really liked. And Sholo playing Jaime was wonderful. I, 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 I really got attached to him in the role. I, I liked the character. Some of its humor did not work, but a good amount of it did. And it was an enjoyable little film. Now, the thing is, when you look at the box office of it, listen, guys, I told you months before Blue Beetle came out that it was going to crash and burn because that's, the audience has abandoned the DCEU. We said that, and a lot of you guys said that too, that months in advance, that it just no one was going to go see it because nobody cared about going to see DCEU movies anymore, period. And they hadn't for over five years. You've heard me say this statistic a lot lately, but it, it deserves to be mentioned again and again and again. The last seven films from the DC over the past five years, going all the way back to 2018, not a single DCEU film has made even $400 million. Not even Dwayne The Rock Johnson's Black Adam could make $400 million. 
So of course, Blue Beetle, a character that most of the average movie going audience has never even heard of in a cinematic universe that the entire audience had already abandoned, no matter how good Blue Beetle was going to be, it was never going to make any money. It just wasn't. It was doomed from the start. Now, it made more money than it would have if they just dropped it on Max, sure. But yeah, I mean, just it is what it is. Its box office is not a reflection of how good or bad the movie was, in my opinion. I thought it was a solid little movie. I really did. Great movie? No. A solid little entertaining movie that I that I enjoyed watching? Yeah. Yeah, I, I liked it. So... But, you know, other people didn't, and that's all fine. That's the beautiful thing about the art, man, is that we all have different experiences with the movies we watch. Some we like, some we don't, and others will have completely opposite feelings, and it's all good. That's what makes it fun being a film fan, is we get to talk to each other with different perspectives about whether something worked or didn't work in a movie and stuff like that. That's what makes it fun. Anyway, guy, and again, Disgraceful Entertainment, that was an extremely generous uh, thing to tip in. So thank you so much for supporting us on that level. And guys, that'll do it. For today's installment of Open Mic, thank you so much for being here and joining me here today. Uh, guys, don't forget to come on back and join us again tomorrow for the next installment of the John Campus Show podcast. Obviously, this gargoyle story is going to be one that we're going to be talking about a lot. So that, and we'll assemble a whole list of topics for us for tomorrow. We hope that you guys will join us then. Um, guys, again... Big thank you to all of you. Big shout out too to a lot of our YouTube channel members. You know, Angel's on, on there right now. Michael Gonzalez is in there. Disgraceful Entertainment is one of them. Eve is one of our channel members. Stavros is one of our channel members. Uh, guys, all of you who are our channel members and support us that way, thanks so much for being channel members. And to all of you who sent in questions today and supporting our channel, a big thank you to all of you guys. All right, guys, that'll do it for me for now. Thanks a lot for being here. My name's John Campia. And until next time, my friends, bye-bye.